Welcome, everyone, to the Hot Esquina Podcast, episode 22. I'm Sean. I'm here with Enrique. We're here to talk the Astro series. Lots of emotion, really high to really, really low, back to really high again. Yanks win and walk off in the first game, lose brutally in the next two, and then win in a crazy stunner game in the final to split the series. We have a big segment today as we talk uh, potential all-stars for the Yankees. There's a lot of names out there that are lock-ins and also on the cusp of making it. Uh, a lot of position players, pitchers, who knows? You know, There's a lot of good guys out there on this team that we could see as potential all-stars. Also, we interviewed Brandon Lockridge. Really fun prospect. Really good dude. Really looking forward to seeing uh, what he does in pinstripes in the future. He's a really great kid. He handles the the media well so far in his minor league tour, but I expect him to be a, a big part of the Yankees' future, maybe even next season. But in Yankees news, they split the series with the Astros. We'll talk about all that and more. We'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. Before I, I send it over to Enrique, I just want to be fully transparent with all our fans out there that we are recording this live in the middle of the Yankees' fourth and final game uh, Sunday afternoon against the Astros. It is in the bottom of the ninth. Claver Torres is on first base. Aaron Hicks is up at the plate. So who knows how this episode will end, but hopefully Yankees can somehow rally and get, get a victory. But if they do, we will have, we will have, uh, I guess, raw reactions for you guys. So Hopefully we get a victory and uh, we'll see what happens. But first, let me uh, bring on Enrique. Enrique, how you doing? I'm good, Sean. How you doing? Uh, honestly, man, I could be better. It's uh, t- it was a tough, tough series th- this weekend. You know, um, definitely uh, opened up some of our eyes, and uh, I think it's gonna be an interesting conversation to talk about in in a couple minutes. Quaver is now on third because of a bad throw yeah that's what i was gonna say i just saw i don't know i just saw a tweet that said glaber and i thought that that's what it was because he he stole second but a bad throw by castro he threw it into center field so now hicks is up with a man on third base but first off on the list uh we're gonna break down this astro series uh so first game thursday night huge huge game obviously yankee fans uh know that one uh it was a big big night for the moon man uh, Aaron Hicks, first to start off, you know, Yanks down 6-3 in the ninth. Very tough game. We, you know, we looked behind, a step behind the whole time. Coming in, they, they bring in Presley to try to close it out, who's been one of the best closers in baseball for the last couple seasons. You know, he doesn't have electric stuff, but he has, he has you know, a good, good stuff that can get people out. It's not, you know, he's not overpowering you with 98-99. He usually tops out around 92, 93, but he, he's got movement on his stuff. So he tries to come in and close it out. And uh, 
you know, the whole series, the fans were electric the whole time. You could really feel it even in the ninth down, you know, down three Yankees rallied and, and Hicks gets the uh, three run home run to tie it, which was unbelievable and such uh, a breathtaking moment for all of us, but a, a breath, you know, a fresh air for him. You know, he desperately needed that for sure. That, that pimp that he did afterwards, the way he pimped it was awesome, bro. Brutal season for him so far, but that, you know, woke him up a bit and could potentially turn his season around. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see about that. But uh, then after that, they, they pull Presley cause he can't, he was unable to get anything done. And then Stanek comes in and, uh, you know, Trevino gets on with the hit and then Judge eventually uh, walks it off and Trevino scores and Judge gets his second walk off of the season. Top three moment for the Yankees this season. That was such a very much needed. um, Wow. I just, but Glaber just got hurt going back to third and. Oh, no. And they just got a double play. Son of a. In this moment, as we record, Glaber hurts his ankle going back to third. And he's hurt. He he can't even stand. They are he's limping off the field. Marwin Boone just mentioned, uh, just shouted out Marwin. So Marwin's gonna come in to the top of the tent, I guess. So we'll wait to see about Glaber Torres. Let's let's hope Glaber's okay, man. Yeah, this man. team. This team has done such a phenomenal job for the most part this year to maintain most of its core players healthy that this would be this would be huge if he's forced to miss any extended period of time. I hope he's okay. That didn't look good. Obviously, he's getting taken out of this game. Marwin will come in for him in the top of the 10th. Um, so I guess we'll see on that. But back to the first game, you know, Judge walks it off. Yanks win a huge first game you know, in the Bronx in a big four game set against Houston uh, going into Friday's game, tough game. Um, I guess we kind of expected, you know, Verlander versus Severino, big pitching matchup. Uh, Verlander was almost lights out the whole time. I don't know what it is with him. It, it, it doesn't matter how old he gets. He's still the, the lights out pitcher we've seen since day one with when he was in Detroit. Uh, I don't, I don't know how how to take him down. I think the best moment we've ever had off Verlander was the, the Hicks bomb in the playoffs. I, he I, has yeah. our number, Sean. Yeah, he does. He, he, he's thirty nine years old, and he looks like he's twenty nine years old out there. He's just, he's pitching phenomenal. Overall, the game was a tough game. Yanks couldn't get any any of the hitting going, but overall in the series they couldn't get anything going. But you know, Severino does six innings, three runs, three errors, a quality start. You know, but like I said, Verlander was lights out. Yankees couldn't get anything going. And uh, the only thing was the stand home run in opposite field. That that was the only offense we had. And so the series was split 1-1 there. And then uh, we have Saturday's game, which good thing I, I wasn't watching and I was out of town. But I know what happened, unfortunately. You know, I, I can only – I could say – that the best thing that happened in the game was Garrett Cole's performance because Garrett Cole looked great. Um, that he did. Against, in a game against his former team, mm-hmm. you know, seven seven innings of one-run ball, we couldn't ask for better. Gets his ERA under three. You know, he's looking like an all-star out there. He should be an all-star in the, in the summer classic. But Christian Javier, you know, Hector Neris and Ryan Presley throw a no-hitter. Um, 
that was brutal to see, brutal to watch. Uh, but they throw a no hitter at Yankee Stadium on a you know Saturday evening game. It was the first time the Yankees have allowed a no hitter since 2003, when it was against the Astros, of all, of course. And uh, it was brutal. You know, Yankees couldn't get anything going. They couldn't. They couldn't muster anything. You know, and we, I will say, and I will say, Sean, sorry. In this one, you cannot blame the umpire for, you know, having missed calls or having a generous strike zone or anything. This was purely on this kid. He was on point. He had dead eye accuracy. He was throwing everything he wanted to throw where he wanted to throw it, and the Yankees bats just couldn't do anything. You know, you you just got to keep tip your cap to him, honestly. He's like a, like a Clark Schmidt for us where he starts some games, but he's also a long reliever. Jake Odorizzi was supposed to start that game. And then he goes on the IL and Christian Javier takes, take his, takes his spot in the rotation. And obviously he showed out because uh, he'll remember this game forever as I bet all Astros fans will, because they've been tormenting Yankee fans on Twitter all day. So good for them, you know, but I don't look at it as like, you know, the end of the world because Teams are no hit so much more often now than they were back then. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but they just got a steal. Castro just stole third. Oh, boy. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, if you remember, Enrique, uh, the Red Sox 2018, 2018 team was dominant. They were mm-hmm. one of the best teams I've ever seen, and they were no hit by Shomanaya and the athletics, you know, so yeah, yeah they were the best that. offense. They were the best team. They, no one could beat them, but on that night they were beaten. So, you know, mm-hmm. one game doesn't define the team. It doesn't, I know Yankee fans love to say, Oh, like our true colors are shown. Cause now we, you know, we, we lost two consecutive to the, the second best team in the AL. Oh, we're not good. We only beat bad teams. I love, you know, people love to say that. And it really upsets me because, Obviously, the Yankees didn't pick their schedule. You know, we're not Notre Dame. So it's just it's just a situation where, you know, like oh, no matter what, no matter what the Yankees do, they're going to find something to, you know, blame them on. But, you know, regardless, you know, the Yankees uh, lose the second game um, and then going into Sunday's game, which we're live right now. Uh, it's the 10th inning. But. You know, this this went on for a while. The Yankees didn't get their first hit until the seventh inning. And Stan hit that bomb. Stan hit that bomb to center field at 436 feet. And I don't think I've I don't think I I've been less excited. I was so I was like, all right, good. And they got it. Like you were finally. Relieved. Like, you yeah, were I was relieved. relieved. And, exactly. And everybody on Yankees Twitter was relieved too. I was I was active and and uh you know, interacting with a lot of people on Yankees Twitter while this was going on. And everybody was, you know, basically in, in Stuart Little mode, they were saying that the sky was falling and it kind of was where, you know, the Yankees were nine outs away, man, nine outs away from being the first team ever to be no hit on back-to-back games. Thank God for Giancarlo Stanton. Because that is a piece of history that I would not have wanted to be a part of, Sean. I'll be honest with you, bro. Going into this game, I was already worried because, you know, I know he's your favorite player on this team, but Nestor Cortez has definitely, 
he hasn't been the uh, Cy Young that we know that everyone was talking about at the beginning of the season. He looks a little sluggish. And I've been talking to people outside, uh, you know, on Twitter and people like out, obviously outside the organization. But I've been talking to people and you can tell almost like he's tiring out there quicker. It's you know, he's never he's never started this many games, you know, like this consecutively. So it, it's I mean. It's, I mean, to be fair, though, to be fair, I don't mean to cut you off, but to be fair, it hasn't just been him. It's, you know, you've seen a regression of sorts or maybe a hiccup from this entire pitching staff with the exception of Garrett Cole yesterday. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you've seen Nestor regress a little bit. You've seen Tyone. Look at Tyone's last couple of starts. Severino, his last couple of starts haven't been the savvy that we've, you know, become accustomed to this year. So, I mean, it's been the entire staff, brother. It hasn't just been Nestor. The bullpen too has struggled. Everyone has their hiccups and it's usually right around this time where late June, early July is when people start to labor a little bit because now mm-hmm. you're kind of, ho- you're getting to, you need to get to that all-star break. Like you need to get there. You're, you're playing 80 some consecutive games on very few days off you know, that all-star break for a lot of, a lot of players, is like a vacation for them because you need that. You need those four to five consecutive days to take a breather. But anyways, getting back to this series, you know, we have that the Yankees were, were no hit for 16 consecutive innings. Um, that is brutal. I don't know about you Enrique, but that is one of the most brutal stretches I've ever had to be a part of as a fan. Uh, I hope I never, ever see it again. I'm 100% with you. I hope we don't either. I mean, like I said, man, to be on your seat, on the edge of your seat, nervous, and just hoping for a hit. Forget hoping for a run and, you know, a rally to win the game. You're just hoping for a hit so you're not embarrassed and you're not on the wrong side of history. That's not something I ever want to feel again. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I've always been like, as a fan, I've always been on the right side of history because the Yankees have always been, you know, when history is made, it's usually the Yankees doing, doing it to someone else. And I don't like to sound, you know, spoiled or anything, but it's, it's a tough feeling when you're, when you get no hit and then the no hit continues to, you know, all the way to the seventh inning of this game. You're, you're, you're kind of just laughing now, like you're laughing in pain. You know, you have the meme where you're crying inside, but you put the mask on of you smiling. That's, that's what's happening. And, you know, thank God it was broken up by Stanton, like you said, because that was such a tremendous moment, hitting, him hitting that solo home run to get the first hit and the first run for the Yankees in almost two games and putting the Yankees up three to one. I mean, put the Yankees on the board to go down three to one. And then, you get in the, you know, I don't know what just happened. It's second and third, one out. And then no, uh, now his base is loaded. He walked Bregman. Yeah. I've been paying attention. Shit. Oh, yeah. Let's talk or two. God damn it. All right. Um, and then in the eighth inning, you get the huge home run from DJ LeMahieu in the bottom of the eighth, the two run home run to tie this game up. It, Holy, was that needed. I, we need this game. I know it's not like a must-win game, but this is such a big game for for the Yankee team and their morale. Like, you you need this one. And, you know, 
we're recording right now and it's live you know it's it's the top of the tent bases loaded one out it's it's scary hours right now so mm-hmm. it's uh we're, we're holding on obviously we, we just discussed on the podcast too live that we saw glaber go down uh while he was running back to third base i hope he's okay so right now this we're we're, we're staring at a huge at bat right now as tucker just popped it up to to left field and hicks makes the catch huge play and by the way and by the way speaking of lemayhew man i'm i was super happy for him personally because you got to think back to earlier sean in the game i forgot what inning it was but when he hit that ground ball to short that almost broke up the no hitter everybody on Yankees Twitter and I'm sure at the stadium was ripping him. You know, I saw so many tweets. Oh man, DJ is so slow. You know, damn it. He always hits ground balls or whatever. And you know, how must, how must that have felt for him to break it up with a home run when he came that close to breaking? Well, he didn't break up the no hitter with a home run, but he tied the game with a home run. But I'm saying like, how must it have felt to tie the game with a homer? after coming so close to breaking up the no-hitter in earlier in the game. Yeah, that was probably one of the, his biggest moments of the season for him. You know, he's struggled so far this year. He's only hitting 261. Um, obviously not the numbers that we were expecting him to have. But, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully this kind of leads him in the right direction. That that at-bat, though, when he grounded out short, I was I was even upset because I was like, either you're that slow or you're not running out of the box that that hard. It, it was a great it was a great play by the shortstop to be fair. But by the way, um, the Yankees just escaped the bases loaded jam, bro. Thank goodness we're still tied going into the bottom of the tenth. Michael King, baby, he he can work out of a jam, man. You know, he's like one of two to three guys I I am the most confident in that bullpen to come in. You know, obviously with the with the ghost runner, which I hate more than anything in baseball, the ghost runner coming in and then you get the situation to have a bases loaded with one out and then to get Tucker out on a short fly ball to left and then having him uh, having Gurriel foul out to to Rizzo huge. So now the Yankees can come in and walk it off right now in the bottom of the 10 and it would change the whole aspect of this series. You, you're going into the seventh inning of this game. And we're, we're talking about Yankees need to make trades and moves and people need to go. What's going on? The Yankees are terrible. They're the worst. And then now, you know, you get two big home runs from Stan and DJ. And now we're in, we're in the going to the bottom of the 10th with a potential walk-off. And we could be talking about, you know, splitting this series against Houston with two walk-offs and having a, a completely different conversation. But before we get there, we'll, we'll break that down live. Let's talk about, how good this team has been. Let's have something positive quick. And let's talk about this, this team, you know, um, on July 19th is the all-star game and the, the, the voting ends on, on the 30th of June in three to three days, please. If you haven't already vote, vote for this team, vote for the Yankees five times a day. You got to vote, you know, voting for this team. There's so many players who deserve it. um, And it's time to get rid of this Yankee prejudice and just vote for this, vote for the people who deserve it. And for the first time in, in a while, there's a lot of Yankee fan, Yankee players who deserve to be there. And uh, I'll start it off with you, Enrique. Um, who, who are you looking at as uh, for position players that you think should make the team? 
I mean, you got to start with Judge. I mean, I know he's already leading the vote ballot. I'm sure by a lot. I don't have the numbers in front of me. You got to go with with Rizzo. I feel like he deserves it, although he might have competition. Um, you you're definitely gonna have Stanton. I feel like Trevino definitely definitely deserves a nod. You know how can he, how can he not at this point? You know what I'm saying. Um, and uh, if Glaber's okay, man, hopefully he's he's not injured. But I feel like he deserves a spot in the All Star game. Like he's had a great year. He's had a great year. You know, under the radar, but he's had a great year. Um, position wise, I think you, that's pretty much um, the position players I'd go with if. You know, if I'm the Major League Baseball uh, All-Star Committee, you know, even though it's not <laughs> up to them, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, it's up to the voters, but that's that's who I would put. Yeah, you know, I think Judge is obviously a lock in there. Um, you oh, got yeah. you got some names like Glaber, who I, I feel deserves to be there. Um, Rizzo, I think, deserves for sure to be there. I don't think he'll start. I think he'll be a reserve for you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But I think Rizzo's yeah, that's right there thinking. to be to to be an all-star as well. Glaber, like you said, for sure. I think he's done enough. You know, in the second base, there's not, you know, it's not the most uh intense ballot at second base right now. So I think Glaber has a shot to be either the third or the fourth. He he could potentially make the all-star team. I think Trevino, honestly, I think Trevino deserves to make it. I know he's second right now in the in the voting ballot, but I think I honestly believe Trevino deserves to be there. Uh, he's had a fantastic year. Um, I really think his competition right now is obviously it's obviously Kirk, and then uh, oh beautiful bump by Kiner Falefa right there moves Hicks to third with one out. You know you got Carpenter pinch hitting right now. This guy could be a hero once again. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll break that awesome. down in a second, but. Great bunt by IKF. Finally, you know, the Yankees are doing some sacrifice hitting. Uh, Hicks now at third base. Carpenter, potential to walk it off. But, yeah, to continue the conversation, yeah, I think those four guys are are key. I don't think DJ will make it, unfortunately. I don't know, no. honestly, if Stanton will make it. I don't – I don't. it's tough with him. Stanton's a tough one right now, but – you know, I don't think with the vote getting, oh, they're they're intentionally walking Carpenter. They're going to DJ LeMayhew. <laughs> DJ LeMayhew, as I'm mentioning him right now, DJ LeMayhew is coming up uh, to potentially walk this game off. First and third, one out as the pitching coach comes out. But I'm going to keep going with this conversation. I think those are your four guys right now that uh, for position players will make this team. I was looking up. Um the leaders uh the voting leaders right now so as it stands right now alejandro kirk is leading in the catcher vote tally unfortunately yeah. but Torino's in second place yeah this is why i say like like he deserves it and obviously the votes show that people are noticing that he deserves it so at worst he's making it as the backup in the all-star game which is still a great nod for a guy that you know, going into this season, you didn't even know if he was going to be the catcher 
for for Texas. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know that whole situation there. So that's incredible. That would be an incredible story for him. You're absolutely right about first base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is leading the pack by a lot. 947,000 votes at last check. Ty France of the Mariners is actually ahead of Anthony Rizzo in votes. I, I don't know how. I don't know how. I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's better than Rizzo. Obviously, there must be a bunch of Mariners fans voting. So, like, he's had my- a phenomenal <laughs> year. He, he really is hitting. I knew him and Rizzo were going to be right there. France has a really yeah. good batting average this year. So, yeah, um, I think they second- all three should make it, though. Yeah, I mean, they should. They should. And then at second base, unfortunately, the leading vote getter is public enemy number one, uh, Jose Altuve. I am not happy about that at all. Glaber is fourth place right now in the in the votes uh, behind Santiago Espinal and Andres Jimenez from the Guardians. He is ahead of Trevor Story, though. So that's funny. Trevor Story, the guy that a lot of Yankee fans wanted, and Glaber Torres is ahead of him in all-star votes. So I, I find that interesting. Uh, Devers is leading the way in third base. Uh, you're absolutely right. DJ's way behind. He's uh, He just struck out, place. too. He's, <laughs> well, perfect segue then. Yeah, he's in fourth place behind Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays, Jose Ramirez of the Guardians, which I'm surprised, let me tell you, I'm surprised that Jose, that Rafael Devers is leading the votes ahead of Jose Ramirez because Jose Ramirez has had a better year than Devers. But, you know, popularity vote, obviously, like I said before, with, with the Mariners fans, obviously a lot of Red Sox fans are voting. And then at shortstop, bro, uh, Bo Bichette, Tim Anderson, and Xander Bogarts are your top three. Kiner Falefa is fifth. He's not going to make it. Um, at DH, Jordan Alvarez is the leading vote getter. Uh, surprisingly enough, he's leading the way by almost 300,000 votes more than Shohei Otani, bro. That's not surprising. Jordan has been unbelievable. Shohei is unbelievable, too. But it's Shohei. Oh, Judge, three run, three run home run to walk it off. Yes, Aaron Judge unbelievable his second walk-off of the series his third walk-off of the season unbelievable Aaron Judge is oh my I can't even I can't even, I'm gonna give it to you this I can't even I have no words oh my god bro this is why this man is leading the votes for for outfielders in the all-star game hey bro. this man yes I've been saying it, bro. Blank check, bro. Give him whatever he wants. Give him whatever he wants. The man is the face of the Yankees. Arguably the face of baseball. Sorry, Mike Trout fans, but come on. Come on, honestly. Who doesn't know who who Aaron Judge is at this point? Bro, oh my God. What can you say about this guy that hasn't been said already? It's unbelievable. (laughs) This, This guy has carried this team on his back this season being obviously we were going to just mention he's the number one vote getter in in baseball right now and rightfully so as we're watching him live hit a three-run walk-off home run with and the bottom of the 10th with two outs you, you see dj strike out and then the doubts start coming in about well oh we might be going to the 11th and judge hits a home run and then he doesn't even know if he should run the bases 
He said he stops. Judge said, "I got goes, you, Yankee fans." Yeah, I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And- and funny enough, I'm saying, as I'm saying, you know, that he's the face of baseball and I'm saying sorry to Mike Trout's fans, he's got more votes than Mike Trout. Yeah, bro, he's, he's got, got more votes than anyone. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, when you're the leading vote getter in outfielders ahead of Mike Trout, very talented outfielders that you got in the American League, that should say something. I mean, bro, and <laughs> and going into this year, Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but going into this year, he had never had a walk-off hit before. No, he sudden, never had a walk-off hit. He had one walk-off walk. I remember that. But yeah, yeah. He had never had a walk-off hit though. But yeah. now now he seems to have found the walk-off gene in his game. And that just makes him even more valuable to this team and more, you know, of a commodity, not just to this team, but to baseball, bro. Like, and let's not forget. He's playing center field this year after playing mostly right field his entire career. Like the man is doing it all and playing a very adequate center field, making great catches, running down balls like nothing. You know, he's gliding out there, bro. I know we were talking off air how you don't think that that's good for him long term. But, bro, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't see any any signs of of it slowing him down or it hurting him. I see him handling the position very well. And you can make the argument just like you made the argument for Joey Gallo playing right field and that helping his game. You can make the argument that judge playing center might've, you know, boosted his, you know, maybe that's his natural fit. That's what I've been saying for so long uh, for, for Gallo is that he just needs to go to right. So then, you know, obviously moving judge to center has, Works for him because Judge was a center fielder in, in high school and the minors a little bit before they started moving him to right because of his size. So you're thinking long term. And right now, like I'm not saying to change Judge from center field. I think Judge should be the center fielder for this season. I think that's pretty clear, uh, especially with Gallo on the team. He seems to excel better as a right fielder and Hicks as well. I think Hicks does better as a left fielder and staying in the corner. I think it's helped him grow confidence in his game. Playing center field is a tough, tough. Uh, the toughest position to play or considered one. And even you've heard Mike Trout, which you just mentioned before, he doesn't want to play center field much longer. You know, it's tiring. It, it, you know, it wears you down. So that's why I was saying Aaron judge this season, I have no issue playing center field for the season, but you can't have him long-term, especially if you're going to lock him up for, you know, seven, eight years, hopefully give this man a blank check. I don't care how much it costs you give this man what he wants. He rightfully so deserves to be here. And as soon as he gets his contract extension, he deserves to be given the captain captaincy right away because that should show like how much they, the Yankees believe in him. That should be in the contract negotiations that we want you back and we want you to be the captain of this New York Yankees team. I, I think mean, that's what you need to do. I mean, how can you not name him the captain as it is already? You know what I'm saying? I know we haven't had one since Jeter, obviously, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I mean, the man has done everything that you would expect from a captain. You know what I'm saying? He's the unquestioned leader in that dugout, in that clubhouse. You know, maybe you can make the argument that Rizzo is one of the one of the leaders as well. But make no mistake, you know, Rizzo might be one of the leaders, but the leader in that clubhouse, and you see it, is Aaron Judge. He's the leader in that clubhouse. He he's the leader by example 
very Jeter-esque, you know, leading by example on the field. Like he's the best player on this team. And for goodness sakes, I mean, he even at one point was the leading jersey sale in Major League Baseball. You got a section in Yankee Stadium named after him. I mean, what more do you need to do? Or what more does he need to do to solidify himself as the face of this team, as the captain of this team, Sean? I don't know. No, there's nothing he can do now. I think I think now giving him the guaranteed contract to be a Yankee for life will give him the captaincy, like officially, because he's unofficially the captain. And you could have many leaders on a team, but he's the captain of the team. He is. And Completely if any, agree any Yankee fan that, that disagrees with me, you know, you're wrong. I'm watching him right now, right now, give his home run bat away to, to Spike Lee as soon as he hits a home run. Like, how is he not – can you get more New York than that? I don't know. Like, that's, like, that's what I'm watching live as I'm talking to you. I, he hits a home run and immediately gives the bat to Spike Lee. Like, like, come on now. Like, this dude deserves to be a pinstriped for the rest of his career and then have, you know, eventually going – if he continues down this road – to have his name in Monument Park as a lifelong Yankee. And that's how, that's what you need to do. Like enough with the contract talks and, you know, I, I don't like to ramble here and I, I'm not gonna, but we're, we're really disagreeing over, you know, potentially five to 7 million a year. And you're going to really walk away from potentially a top three, you know, baseball player in the game over that. Like you're going to be kicking yourself for the rest of your life. If you let that yep. man walk away from and he's a generational, he's a generational talent. You, you can't dispute that. And and that's and my favorite part about him is yes, he's a generational talent, but he has the Jeter S captaincy like leadership in him. He keeps everything on the field. You're mm -hmm. not gonna get mm -hmm. you're not gonna get anything out of him from the media. You're not gonna get him angry and say something stupid. He'll never do that. He's he's raised right, he's he's I don't even know how much more you could say this dude is a leader, you know, through thick and thin. And even and when, even when he was asked funny enough that you say that, that you're not going to get him angry because even when he was asked, you know, about, you know, the long-term extension, the one that he ultimately wants and us fans want him to get, you know, if he thought that avoiding arbitration would bring him closer or give him more confidence that that long-term extension would be done you know, he could have sounded sour or or been bitter and been like, no, and gone off on a rant. No, he just kept it very Jeter-esque, short answer. He's like, nope, that's it. That's it. That's all he gave. Like that, if that's not, <laughs> if that's not Jeter-esque slash Captain-esque, I don't know what is, you know what I'm saying? Like he had every right to go off and, you know, sound bitter, especially because he came that close, Sean which I'm so glad it didn't happen, but he came that close to going into an arbitration room with the Yankees. You imagine how ugly that would have been for him to hear, you know, team executives bring up all his flaws and all the stuff they no. don't like about him. That would have, <laughs> that gave me Dylan Betances vibes. You remember when oh, yeah. that whole thing happened between oh, Betances yeah. and Levine? You can't oh. tell me that didn't ultimately lead to the departure of Dylan Betances from the Yankees, that whole thing between him and Randy Levine. Yeah. I was scared to death that we were going to have a repeat of that with judge. You got to have thick skin when you're, you know, New York and anything, but 
you know, if you're trying to sign this guy for the remainder of, of, of his career, why, you know, you don't want to bring him on to talk about the negatives to, to bet, you know, you're, you're fighting over 2 million at that point. It was, you had, he was saying 19 or 17, the Yankees were saying 17, he wanted 21. And then, uh, so you're really fighting over 4 million, but you finally, they just both said to each other, why are we going to go arbitration? Why don't we just say 19 and then we'll throw in some bonus, you know, you know, salary money in there which is the smartest thing to do, which I, I'm so glad. Like, yes, the Yankees, you know, got it done. But I, I'm really thankful for Aaron Judge there because Aaron Judge, like, put the team first on that mm-hmm. moment because he could have mm-hmm. been like, no, we're going to go to arbitration about it because I want what I deserve. And he deserves well more than $21 million, but it's just how arbitration is. But, you know, he settled. He goes, you know what? I'll agree to your terms. But I want, you know, give me this bonus money with whatever his incentives are going to be. And I want to win. I want to win a World Series. I don't want to ruin this chemistry. I don't want to ruin the morale. Let's just go out and win. And obviously, we just saw from what we saw 10 minutes ago, you know, Judge has put this team on his back this series and all season. We talked about this with Sweeney Murdy when we had him on. The progression that you've seen from this man ever since he came up as a rookie in 2017. If you think for one solitary second that this man does not deserve Mike Trout money, you're you're fooling yourself. You're lying to yourself. Like, <laughs> look at his game. Look at everything he does. Look at what he means to this team, this city, everything. You know what I'm saying? To this game. You want to grow this game. You want to grow this fan base of this sport maybe i'm wrong maybe it's yankee bias because i'm a yankee fan but to me he's arguably the face of baseball and you know he started becoming the face of baseball even in that 2017 year when he made it to the all-star game in miami and and won that home run derby so imagine how much of a face of baseball he was then as the rookie where people were taking notice of him Imagine now, imagine now that he's hitting over 300, playing solid defense in center field, coming up with clutch game-winning hits now when he had never done that before. You're going to tell me that this man doesn't deserve Mike Trout money and doesn't deserve to get paid like the best center fielder in baseball or the best outfielder in baseball? You're lying to yourself if you're saying no. And the thing is, is that, you know, this might be an argument right now, but I think Judge could potentially be better than Trout because Trout is potentially on the back end of his career. I'm not saying he's not still an MVP type player, but he's definitely regressing compared to what he did in the beginning of his career while Judge is just getting better and better. And right now we're watching like a peak performance Judge right now. And maybe like this might not even be that he could be even better. Like, you know, obviously it's a contract year and you want to perform at your very best to get the most money. But, you know, he's going to be 30. Like, we're not talking about a dude who's turning 33, 34. He's getting third, you know, he's turning 30 and could get potentially seven to eight years on a deal where, you know, we're seeing, we've seen guys from like, look at Nelson Cruz, dude's, at, dude's 40 and he's hitting 30 home runs a year. Like, there's always potential for Judge to be a 20, 30 home run hitter in the back end of his, of his career as a DH, like 
will always make it work. The Yankees have always made it work. We have had terrible contracts and we make it work. So all these fans who say, oh, well, you know, what, what happens when he's 35 and he can't move anymore? Everyone just looks for the negative <laughs> immediately. Just take in that this guy is a generational talent. And when he's gone one day, potentially, potentially this offseason, when he's gone, you'll beg for him back. So just we, we need him and he needs and deserves, obviously, from tonight as one example, to be Yankee for life. But I also want to shift this because, you know, Yankees had overall an incredible day. Uh, as we just saw, you know, Judge hit the walk-off home run. But, you know, bringing it to the minors, Anthony Volpe hit a walk-off home run today as well. And I feel like that's a perfect segue to our interview with Brandon Lockridge because Brandon Lockridge is a teammate to Anthony Volpe and they're good friends. So I'm going to leave you all with this. One of my favorite interviews so far that I've ever done. Uh, I look Mine forward too. to seeing Brandon Lockridge in the future uh, in pinstripes. Cause I think he will be one day. He's a phenomenal center fielder. He's got tremendous speead and tremendous uh, bad speed for, for one, two. So I really look forward great to seeing kid him too, by the way, we love talking to him. He, this great was kid. a very fun interview for the both of us. So yeah, definitely. We hope you all enjoy this interview. Yes, for sure. So uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you all for, for listening in as we, we broke that down. We talked live <laughs> baseball for the first time on this podcast, incredible podcast, really fun. Uh, but I, I, I hope to see you or hope to hear from you guys all soon. And uh, we'll see you next time. Now we are here with Brandon Lockridge. Brandon, how you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing good. How you doing, Brandon? It's it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we know you busy schedule minor leagues is is difficult, but uh, you know, thank you again. We really appreciate it. All right, so we're gonna just start this off right away. Uh, Enrique, you can start it off with your question first. I'll go right after you. Appreciate it, Sean. Um, Brandon, uh, I just want to echo the sentiments of my partner. Thank you for coming on with us. Um, you were drafted by the Yankees in the fifth round of the 2018 draft. You've since then been doing good things in both, you know, the A and double A levels of the minors. What is life like in the minors and what's the climb like going from high school to college to the different levels of the minors? Um, I guess you could say it's quite the journey um, going from high school, obviously big step up to, to division one baseball um, mid-major. I went to Troy university. Um, great talent. You know, you play, play midweek sec schools uh, made a regional my junior year. So playing against some of the top talent of college baseball in the country um, get to professionals, you know, you obviously now are the best college players in all of the country are now at the next level. And, you know, the, the cream rise to the top, every level you go up from low A to high A to double A, uh, the talent's better, guys refine their skills. Um, minor leagues, obviously, it, it definitely starts feeling like a job. And in college, it's more, uh, you know, have fun, win games. Uh, there's life outside of baseball. Um, here in the minor leagues, as you can tell, it's, it's a little different this year. Today is our, our off day. We have every Monday off. Um, in 2019 and years past, we, we didn't have that. So um, it was a, a daily, you know, Monday through Monday through Sunday, um, may have one or two off days in the entire month. And it's kind of just randomly placed about. 
Um, so, you know, like I said, it's, it's a job. Um, obviously, I'm fortunate being with the Yankees, um, being around a bunch of really good players. We have a bunch of, you know, class acts, fun guys to be in the clubhouse with, coaches, everything. Uh, so it makes it, you know, an enjoyable job, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. So um, I guess that's, uh, you know, there's highs and lows, and you just got to try to stay stay right in the middle as, as well as you can because it's, it's a long season, and, you know, you can be good one day and you can be bad one day. You just got to just gotta ride through it. I kind of want to backpack off of, uh, you know, you getting drafted. Um, you know, you get drafted in 2018 in the fifth round. What What's that? moment like you know getting the call or wherever you were like what was that like so we had just finished we had a, a regional in Georgia um Duke had beat us out um so that was obviously a tragic loss I knew it was you know going to be my last game I was a junior it was gonna be my last game uh with my teammates at Troy had a great team that year uh so that was like a bittersweet moment it's it's obviously nice looking forward I knew I was going to be drafted where I was going to be drafted, that was a different story. Um, so there was that, that little bit of, you know, uneasiness that, you know, everybody is, uh, likes to have some type of, you know, um, idea, I guess you could say, of where you're going to be. But, I mean, you quite literally could be for any of the teams in Major League Baseball, immediately sent to who knows where for your first season. So there was all that kind of uncertainty that was going around in the air. I knew the teams that were kind of more interested in me, uh, the teams I talked with more. So we had like a little, I guess you could say a draft party. I had a good feeling through talking with my agent and stuff at the time, like probably going to be a day two guy. Where at in day two, like I said, didn't know if it was going to be early day two, late day two. Um, obviously that day comes in the morning, start getting some calls from my agents with different offers from some teams and Yankees had the best offer on the table. I said, the New York Yankees want to want to draft me. It's a no-brainer. So uh, relayed that to my agent, and uh, sure enough, we're sitting on the TV, and to to hear you know the New York Yankees pick, I still got the video on my phone from people videoing it and sending it to me and everything that day. It was, I mean, it was one of the one of the best days of my life, obviously, you know, because um, just quite literally two years before that, I would have if you'd have told me I was getting drafted in in general, I would have probably said you were lying. So uh, everything just happened so quick, you know. It was it was awesome. Well, we're very happy that they drafted you. I, I know we spoke off air. We're very happy that you're in our, our organization and we we expect big things from you, Brandon. So we're fans, that's for sure. We're fans of you and- No pressure. You know? <laughs> no pressure. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, piggybacking off of that and now going into- you know, your, your minor league career, um, you took a big jump in, in 2021 when you were promoted from Hudson Valley to Somerset, you know, you started hitting through, you finished uh, with a 328 batting average, a 557 slugging percentage and a 939 OPS. What do you attribute your improved hitting despite moving up to a higher level? Any specific adjustments, anything different that you did? Um, so people have kind of asked me that in the past. Um, I kind of think it was a situation where obviously we had all of 2020 off. Um, I dedicated that, that eight, nine month period to, you know, got some top of the line strength training going, um, worked out, hit well, you know, hit with some of our, a local guy, uh, and relayed some stuff through our, through our department with the, the hitting department with the Yankees, um, and was as surefire 
like dialed in coming into spring training in 2021 as I've you know really ever been. Had a few little nagging injuries that year from I guess there was a lot of injuries at the beginning of 2021 just from you know playing the game is a little different you know than practicing it all the time. So playing at full speed had had a few things early on and then kind of got back to high A was playing well kind of got rolling got promoted kind of kind of out of nowhere it was you know it was a shocking thing on a Monday to get a call and say I was being promoted I, I quite I mean kind of out of the blue kind of deal um, got to double A and kind of immediately had success and. I'd always heard in the past that there was such a giant jump, I guess, in play from high A to double A. And, uh, you know, when you get there, you don't really know what to expect, like, until you, you know. So I got to double A, realized this is the same game I've been playing. You know, like, it, nothing, nothing's changed. Like, it's just, you know, the guys are a little bit more around the zone. They they like their stuff. Um, they're going to come right at you. And I'm an aggressive hitter. I've always performed best when I'm you know, aggressive. And if they're going to come right at me, I'm like, that's what I like, you know, um, lower levels guys can kind of be, you know, all over the place. Um, and guys were kind of more refined coming right at you. And, um, when, when my swings dialed in, I, I like that, you know, so you can come out, come right at me all you want. Um, and that's kind of the mentality I had all year. And, uh, you know, that, that little bit of success early on, I felt like just opened my eyes and just allowed me to trust my abilities and, um, you know, the the idea that double a was such a big jump in, in my eyes really it, it felt easier to me um i'm not saying it is easier it, it just felt that way um and uh i mean I, to say that there was like a specific change or anything I, I wouldn't say it was kind of just maturing as a hitter it's all about at bats um that's kind of the way the minor leagues is set up you know to get as many at bats as possible because that's how you're going to learn and you know uh whether that's adjustment like a hitting adjustments or hitting approach and all that um that was kind of kind of i guess what i could say my you know early success in double a came from i just i just thought of this because you were talking about um you know getting the call up to double a and thinking it's gonna be harder and stuff but you know you're in double a now do you you know wait for the call now to triple a like you like oh any day or is it more like i'm i'm i want to you know settle in in double A here for a little bit. Let me, you know, get some key at bats and, uh, you know, just keep, you know, perfecting my craft and I'll, you know, I'm waiting for the call whenever it happens. I mean, yeah, I look forward to getting to go to the next level of the triple A, you know, it's one step closer to the big leagues. Um, I wouldn't say I, I'm like, you know, waiting around every day, kind of expecting a call or anything. Uh, I haven't performed numbers wise as good as I'd like to this year in double A, um, you know, coming off of the year I had last year in double A, obviously I was expecting to, you know, the expectations were there to, to come out the gate and put up the exact same numbers as last year. And um, while there's other stats that, you know, I'm doing things better this year offensively in some areas than last year, um, the, uh, the actual numbers just aren't there. So, I mean, I would say that the biggest thing is just getting that bats, getting that experience of, you know, the, the pitching in double A. I mean, there's so many guys you see getting called up that I played against in double A last year that are, everyday guys, pitchers in the big leagues this year. I, I wouldn't say their stuff is, you know, light years better than it was last year in double A. They're just getting the opportunity to go up now. So, I mean, the guys we're playing against are, you know, I'd say half of the pitchers we face are probably going to at least have some type of showtime, you know, in the near future, in the future. Uh, the, the big thing for me is it doesn't matter where I'm at. I need, to, I need to perform. I need to play. I need to get better. And I feel like if I take that mentality in every day, you know, I'm going to get to where I want to be, you know, down the road. So the 
I guess the best question is, yeah, I can't wait to be in AAA whenever that day does come. <laughs> but, you know, we have a great team right now. Uh, be my first time getting to play playoffs, playoff baseball in the minor leagues. Um, with the group we've got, you know, I, I look forward to the day we clinch so we can, you know, pop bottles and have a good time and, uh, you know, win a championship come, you know, late September. So you actually gave me the perfect segue to one of my questions for you, Brandon. Um, you guys, the, the Patriots are much like the big club being that you're in first place. You're killing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. What makes this group of guys of you, Volpe, Elijah Dunham, Andres Chaparro and Josh Bro so special? And what do you attribute to the team's success? Man, we, so me and Elijah, we were just in, uh, or we, we were in New Hampshire, you know, this last week. And we were talking about, we've squeezed some games out this week. We went, we won six of our last seven, you know, against uh, New Hampshire. And it was, we were just talking about it literally, it was, it was yesterday, I believe, yesterday morning how different this team is like there's someone that picks up the slack like not 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 everybody's gonna be hot every single day um those guys you named obviously are huge staples in our in our lineup but we've got guys that you know we got the max burt the mickey gasper oliver dunn we got you know michael belcher we got all these guys that when they're in the lineup blake perkins you got you got all these guys in the lineup that if we're not bringing it that day they pick up the slack and you know come up huge for you know, a clutch win, or if, if we're not scoring runs at all for an offense, our pitchers hold our, you know, the other team to a one to two run game. And, you know, we're able to scratch some runs across. And I feel like that's a huge part of a championship team is, you know, it's not one person getting the job done every day. It's, it's somebody else stepping up, um, coming up huge for our team. And I mean, that's what's so special. If I, if I'm over, you know, Elijah's over, somebody on the team's over, and we got our guy at the end of the lineup, you know, coming up with some huge clutch RBI, two out, two out RBI hits and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, we're playing music in the locker room, jumping around because we won a baseball game. Like that's, that's what it's all about, you know? And, uh, you know, in the minor leagues, it's hard to find that. I feel like, you know, you're, you're so focused on yourself and everything. I feel like we, we have a team that's, you know, drawing it all together. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we're trying to win baseball. And if we're winning, if we're winning games, you're going to look at people's stats at the end of the year and you're going to be like, huh, pretty good stats, you know? So uh, you're not winning if you're not, you know, having some guys playing well. That's just the nature of the game. So we just focus on the end goal. We want to win, you know, want to win it all this year and uh, have fun in the process. My next question to you is kind of uh, what you were saying before to one of my, one of my answers. Um, you know, you were saying how you had a good start to double A when last year and, you know, your numbers aren't where you wanted them to be this year so far, but, you know, you are improving in certain areas. Do you, pay attention to that sort of stuff like you know your stats and you know the the media and the you know the MLB pipeline when you see your name you know in the top you know 17 or whatever you are you know do you pay attention to that sort of stuff or you just keep your focus you know strictly on the field I mean I don't by no means does it affect me but you know stats when you every game you're stepping up there you see your stuff up on the board I mean it is what it is it's you know it's face value it, it's um, but I wouldn't say that the media stuff, I mean, it, it, it's a lot easier. This game is so easy from the outside, you know, it's such an easy concept. It's, it's such a simple, you know, just hit better kind of deal. Um, so, you know, the inside numbers and stuff is kind of what, you know, we have some inside stats that, you know, the Yankees use and stuff, and it, it's more to, you know, just getting unlucky, you know, like if, if you're hitting balls hard, like, you know, my hard hit percentage is the exact same as it was last year, you know, so to an, to an extent, you know, it's unlucky, you know, 
but at the same time, I've also I'm not hitting the ball in the air as much this year as I have in the eyes I did last year. Hard hit in the air has a greater chance for you know success of you know balls landing, home runs, extra base hits, all that stuff. So now it's like okay, go into it. How am I going to change that? How am I going to fix that? So then you go you know back to the drawing board and you you know whether it's changing your hitting routine or you know whatever you're working with your hitting coaches, talking with people, um, looking at numbers. That's kind of the thing that you know that's how you get better. Um, so. Uh, I wouldn't say I get too involved in, you know, the outside of everything. Um, it's a long season. You know, if you struggle for half a season, have a great second half. You can completely change your season around. I mean, vice versa, if you have a great first half and you, you get complacent and you think you've made it and you think you're, you're, you know, this, you know, you're the perfect player now, you can go and struggle the second half. Like, it's just, it's baseball. Uh, every good player goes through a stint where, you know, and, you know, a, a guy like, and there's guys on the team that have taught me, you know, taught me so much this year. You know, Volpe is a perfect example of a guy that, you know, has been quite literally one of the most unlucky human beings I've ever seen to, you know, for the first few months of baseball. Like if, if you're in the park, you know that, you know, you see the guy's numbers, but you see what kind of at bats he's putting together, the run value, he's scoring runs, he's getting on base, he's leading the team in stolen bases when the guy's, you know, not nearly on base as much as everybody else. He, he just, he's a winning player. So um, when he does get hot, you know, we win a lot of baseball games, you know, so um seeing the way he's handled though everything with the you know so so-called hype going in and everything um you know he's a young guy to have that kind of maturity this young is it's something special so speaking of stolen bases brandon um you yourself have 50 career stolen bases in your minor league career um do you consider yourself a threat on the base pass i think so um we're you know we're in the process we're working on it um i just gotta be more aggressive you know i've we'll kind of weigh in sometimes and be like, we've got a really good offensive team. It's like, I'm not trying to run us into any outs and everything. And at the end of the day, this is, this is also minor league baseball. If, if you don't work on your, you know, your stolen base game and everything um, at the lower levels, you're never going to be able to do it at a high level in the big leagues. And uh, that's one of my tools. It's one of my best tools. So it's like, um, I, I have to get more aggressive on the bases, just take the chance and, you know, um, you know, learn from my mistakes on the bases and, um definitely use that that speed tool more often this year so before we even you know reach out to you i i know that there are so many fans out there that you know know who you are because they they look forward to seeing you in the big leagues you know in either this year next year the year after whatever it takes because of you know the fact of how how you move around on the basis it's just this year we've kind of picked that up and you know gotten certain players to help us out with that but that's definitely uh it's it's nice to see but i kind of want to back this up for like a split second because i wanted to ask Go you this before it. but i want i'm going to ask you now you know 2020 we had the covid lockout year and you know for minor leaguers your you know your season gets canceled you know that that had to have been brutal um but uh, i wanted to ask you having no season in 2020 what did you do to you know stay in baseball shape so I went back to Pensacola. That's my hometown, Pensacola, Florida. Um, I kind of looked at it. You know, we got sent home. We didn't really know what, like, there was no line of communication because no one knew we'd never had something like COVID before. So we didn't know if the next week we were going back to Tampa. We didn't know if a month from now we were going back to Tampa. You know, we kind of got an idea once they had the alternate site and they, you know, brought the guys they were going to bring to the alt site that we were like, yeah, there's a pretty good chance we're probably not going back to, to Tampa anytime soon. So when I was back in Pensacola, we have a, a um, it's called the Exos. It's like a big 
they've got multiple locations across the country. It's they train a bunch of they're kind of known for like the NFL combine guys. They go there and get right before the combine. And, you know, um, they train a lot of guys. There's an Arizona location that, you know, even some of our big league guys in the past I've heard have trained at. Um, so it, it's an expensive deal, but I, I wanted to invest in myself. It was one of those situations where I'm like, well, how many times in my baseball career am I going to have this long of a period of time, you know, to dedicate towards getting my body right? Um, you know, so I went ahead and bit the bullet there and, you know, uh, paid a little bit more money than I would have liked to have paid to, to go out there to Exos and train and everything. But, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful for it. I, I do think that a lot of that was what, you know, helped me have such a good 2021 season. Um, I worked there. Then there was a, a guy uh, that his, I, I grew up playing with his son, Travis Fryman. He was a, you know, long time bigger with the, the Indians. Um, and uh, he's from Pensacola. Um, hit with him. He was, you know, he's now in the, uh, he works with the, the Indians, but he was home because of no minor league baseball. And, you know, he threw to me and uh, his son just about every day, um, you know, got good hitting routine, worked on arm strength, throwing, you know, all that good stuff. So we, we got in a really good routine. We'd go out and work out at the excess place in Gulf Breeze, Florida, then go up to head north to, to his house and hit and throw. And I mean, we, we quite literally did that same routine for about eight months. So we were, we were going pretty, we were going hard for a long time, you know, in hopes of an instructional league and not having an instructional league. So now you got to kind of put your sights back towards, uh, you know, spring training in hopes of a regular spring training in 2021, which we ended up having. Um, and, uh, you know, it was tough. It was, if you do anything in a, you know, a consistent routine for eight months, you know, in the game without ever getting to compete, like we didn't get to compete. We never saw live at bats. There weren't a lot of, uh, there's not a ton of professional players currently, you know, there are a couple more now since then that have been drafted out of our area. But at the time, you know, the best we got was, you know, what we could do in the cage. And uh, so doing that same routine, it was, it was monotonous. It was, it was tough, but it made us appreciate it. You know, we didn't take the game for granted anymore. There's some days where you're like, you know, ah, I don't feel like doing this today. You know, I don't feel like playing today. And, you know, we, we learned to not take that for granted anymore because, you know, just like that, the game can get taken away from you. And, you know, I'm not ready to go into the real world, real world yet. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Trust me. Um, Brandon, one more from me. And this is a personal question I wanted to ask you. As a kid from Pensacola, Florida, like you just mentioned, who was your idol growing up playing this sport? Anyone you modeled your game after? Any favorite player that you wanted to be just like when you were you know, playing in the backyard with your wiffle ball bat and all that good stuff? Man, it, I had a lot of a lot of favorite players. I mean, at the time I grew up a middle infielder. It's going to sound as cliche as it gets, but but Derek Jeter was my guy. Like, I I love Derek Jeter. Um, you know, there's, there's surprisingly a lot of Yankees fans from around my area. Like, my best friend I grew up had posters everywhere in his room of, you know, Alex Rodriguez, you know, Derek Jeter everywhere around the walls. And, you know, I just, I wanted to be like Derek Jeter. I mean, I didn't I mean, he was just a class act of the players you got. Like I, I, you know, I've never been a guy that's a chirpy guy. I've kind of just let, you know, I want to be, the, let my play, you know, speak for itself. Um, and that's, he's kind of like the epitome of, you know, that kind of player. Um, obviously as I got to college shortstop, I realized it was not my, was not my calling. And, uh, 
you know, but, you know, regardless, that's, that's kind of where it was at. I, I, I like Chipper Jones. I grew up kind of a Braves fan um, being that Atlanta is only a few hours from Pensacola. That's the closest, you know, team I get to go, you know, one of the few teams I got to watch uh, major league, you know, growing up um, solely because it's just the closest team to, to Pensacola. Um, you know, I, I liked all the greats. I, I loved Albert Pujols. Playing video games when I was a kid, Albert Pujols host now. You know, I got a buddy, Brendan Donovan, that's he got called up uh, with the, the Cardinals this year. Just, you know, it's been going through my mind, you know, how crazy it is that he's in the same clubhouse with, you know, Albert Pujols. And he was a childhood, you know, you know, loved watching the guy play. One of, you know, one of my favorite guys, you know, to watch growing up. And now he's in the same clubhouse as him. And, you know, it just tells you how long the career, you know, Pujols has had. And, uh, but, you know, I, I didn't necessarily model my game after anybody. It was hard to model my game when, I feel like my game has changed so much over the years. Um, you know, I, I was a really small guy in high school and uh, have slowly kind of grown into kind of what I am now. So, Okay, so for my, my last question, it's going to be kind of a two-parter here because I had two questions left for you, but I'm going to try to put it in together for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one's kind of like a softball question for you. So, you know, do you still, let's just say, do you still get butterflies when you put on, you know, the, you know, the uniform nowadays, especially now it's affiliated with the Yankees and, you know, even, you know, you're in double A now and hopeful triple A and the majors eventually, do you still, you know, put on the uniform, you know, after talking about the COVID year and how baseball can get taken away from you at any time, unfortunately, can, does it still bring like, oh man, this is the best, best job in the world. Like you still have that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, you do have to kind of take a deep breath sometimes and appreciate where you're at a little bit more. Cause it's not, I mean, it's, it's tough. You don't, we don't make a lot of money. Um, we don't have the most ideal, you know, living situation. You come in and out of hotels all the time, late nights, you know, traveling. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to realize that anything that's worth it has a little bit of, you know, you know, there's a little toughness to everything that is worth it. And when you look at it that way, you know, there's so many guys that have made it and, you know, it takes that one opportunity. It takes that one time to, you know, impress somebody, get, get your chance. And then it makes it all worth it. So um, there's definitely that butterfly there. It, it's typically, it, it hits at random times. Like, you know, if you miss a few games, I was out, you know, about a week and a half ago, uh, got bad food poisoning, missed like a week of games and um, you come back, you know, you start getting a little butterflies. You're like, it's been one week. How, how do I, you know, how am I getting this, you know, this feeling again? But, you know, when you're in that everyday rolling routine, it's amazing how comfortable you can get, you know, with with the play. Like, you don't hear anybody. The outside noise isn't there. You're kind of just focused in. Um, so it, it's nice, you know, days you kind of st- take a step back and realize at one time I was the peop- the kid in the stands, you know, asking for a baseball. You know, when I was a kid, that's that's where I was at for these double-A guys. And, you know, now I'm in a situation where there's – thousands you know of people that wish they were where I'm at and to just realize how grateful and how lucky I am I you know it, it puts things into perspective so you know all right so then this would be my part too don't know how it kind of it relates but I'm gonna try to fit it in there but uh you know you 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 mentioned to us off air and even on air that you know you've seen players and teammates that you've had in double a that are now in you know the majors but you've also had teammates that were in the majors that have now gone down you know, to double A, like, like, you know, former major leaguers, you can even include 
someone like, you know, Derek Dietrich for someone, you know, like I I've always liked Derek Dietrich and, you know, he struggled towards the end of his major league career, but it's trying to get his way back there. You know, what's it like seeing a major leaguer for X amount of years, you know, on your team and do you try to like pick his brain or, you know, try to learn some things from him, you know, now that he's had uh, great success in the major leagues. Yeah. I mean, so Derek is a, you know, I've obviously known who Derek was for a long time to think that he was going to be on my team this year in double a, you know, I'd have, I'd have said you were crazy. Um, but you know, it, it makes me think that, you know, it makes me appreciate him because from what I was told, you know, he basically just wanted to play. He wanted to have a chance an opportunity to play. Uh, he put his pride to the side, you know, guys obviously got a long successful big league career to say if in order for me to play, I have to go to double a and start for him to accept that, you know, it just shows what kind of guy he is. He's, he was willing to get better. I watched him work every single day in double a around a bunch of guys, you know, some of them 10 years younger than him, you know, I mean, that that's takes a lot of guts and a lot of, you know, understanding of it's just baseball. Let me get out here and play and try to improve myself and get a chance to get back into the league. Um, man, he was, he was such an awesome teammate an awesome guy to be around. You can ask anybody that's on our team, you know, that played with them this year that, you know, he made everybody around us better. Um, whether it was inside during scouting report meetings, things that he looks for, um, I mean, he, he just made us a better team, obviously a, a great bat to have in our lineup, won us, you know, a few games with some clutch hits um, and to spend that, that long of a time, you know, he, he went to Volpe, had a, his birthday, his 21st birthday uh, when Derek was in town. And I mean, he came to Volpe's parents' house in New Jersey here and, you know, celebrated Volpe's birthday with a bunch of double A guys. Like he didn't have to do that. You know, he had a great time, enjoyed himself around us, told us some amazing stories, you know, from, whether when he was in Miami, uh, you know, with the, with the Reds. Um, so, I mean, it, it was just a great experience that getting to play with him. I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, he was as good to, to us guys as, as he was. I've been watching him. I've been watching some, some highlights too, because I've, I have a friend there who, who, you know, watches the Somerset games and, you know, gets all the highlights and stuff. So I've seen you, I've seen your walk off, you know, in the beginning of the season, I, I've seen it all. So you know, uh, I, I really look forward to, you know, seeing you, you know, eventually in AAA and make your way to, you know, the majors. You're going to need a new number, though, so because yeah, the 10, <laughs> 10 won't work, you know, in pinstripes. Absolutely. <laughs> but on that There's note. a few numbers that won't work in pinstripes. Yeah, yeah. You, you, got, you got a very short list there. But <laughs> but on that note, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, thank you so much for doing this. I know off day, you would rather just rest and do all that, but. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, hopefully we get to hear from you again soon, you know, uh, either while you're in the majors or in AAA, wherever you are, you know, we'll be, we'll be watching from afar. So, you know, thank Absolutely. you again. I appreciate and, uh, you guys. Yeah, man. Just thank you so much. And uh, you know, maybe we can it. hear from you when you celebrate a championship with, with the Patriots, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a matter of time because this next week it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy that. Have fun. Pop some bottles. You know, do everything you got to do. But uh, thank you so much again. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll hear from you soon. You know, good luck this year. And uh, we'll see you in pinstripes real soon, hopefully. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. All thank right. Thank you, Brandon. So on that yep. note, we're going to wrap it up for the Hottest Skeena podcast episode 22 uh from me enrique and special guest brandon lockridge thank you so much and uh have a good one go yanks